Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, I'm Jane Sparrow, author and founder at The Culture Builders, and I am delighted today to welcome a very special guest to our podcast, Andrew Keith, the president at Lane Crawford, the luxury retailer in Hong Kong and mainland China that we have been having a wonderful, pleasurable time working with for the last three or four years, transforming the culture. And Andrew has got big news, not only about how we've worked together to transform that culture, but also taking that further to transform the entire industry. So we are thrilled to have him with us to talk about culture, to talk about COVID-19, and to talk about how he believes change can happen really for the better in the world. So Andrew, thank you so much for taking a few moments to join us. Absolutely pleasure it's great to be able to, to talk with you it sounds like we've got a lot to talk about <laughs> we have and therefore we might even put it into two parts I think perhaps the first one will be this one all about the the, the, the change and then the second one about the COVID specific but let's talk about that change because you are the one that can articulate it much better than me what you announced last week in terms of this redefinition of the industry and and why it's so important to you mm-hmm. Well, what we announced, first of all, was that a group of us across the industry, from CEOs of different businesses, retailers, brands, designers, have used the opportunity of being in isolation to get together and to discuss how we can really press reset for the luxury fashion industry. You know, a number of us have been questioning the sustainability of the way we've been working, the seasonality of how products is brought into stores. Um, the confusion that customers have between buy now, where now, seasons ahead, the fact that, you know, you're buying T-shirts and shorts in November when you should be buying coats, and then you've got coats in store in, in May and June. Um, so, you know, the industry clearly has got out of sight, out of cycle. And what we've been discussing over the past few weeks is how we can bring the cadence of the industry back how we can look at production flows, merchandise flows, and discounting to be in line with the seasonality um, that customers are looking for. And so we basically published an open letter um, at the end of last week on forumletter.org. And it was really a call to action for the wider industry to join join us um, on this intent to really address the actions that um, that we've been, I think, aware of the fact that it, industry-wide, we've needed to address for a number of years now. And and what drove you personally to take that stand? Because that's a big, big deal to move something forward like that in isolation. Well, I think there was a sort of pivotal moment when um, an online platform approached me in the middle of March. Um, and they said, you know, would we like to join them and to discount our merchandise on their platform. And bearing in mind where the world was in the middle of March, right? So in Hong Kong and China, I mean, we've, we were fortunate to a certain extent in that we've always, our stores have always remained open. But it was right in the, at the start of Europe shutting down. Um, the whole of North America basically was not trading. 
we had no idea what was happening with supply chain and when we were going to get any more stock. I mean, obviously, the, all the production routes were closed. There was nothing coming from Europe. And I, and I just felt, you know, as an industry, our, our sort of automatic approach has been to discount our way out of trouble. And I just felt that, you know, here we were sitting on spring summer stock. We were still receiving spring summer merchandise and it still was incredibly relevant stock. And, and most of the customers hadn't seen it. And to contemplate discounting that when we had no idea what the future was going to be just felt to me completely the wrong thing to do. And so I re reached out to a number of different brand partners that we have and sort of said to them, you know, where, what did they think? And I was quite encouraged by the level of positive response that I got from them. And one in particular, Dries Van Noten, said, yeah, absolutely, he, uh, he wanted to do something. And so together we set up this forum and the forum grew pretty quickly on Zoom. And over basically four Zoom conference calls, we got a pretty wide cross section of retailers and brands and CEOs together to agree on a way forward. And what we realized was that for... This current spring summer season, because the fact that this, the, you know, the pandemic is global, um, but yet it's shown up in very specific ways in different regions around the world, um, we couldn't really do anything collectively. But what we could do was to action from the next coming season, so from fall winter 20 onwards. Um, and that would enable us to really look at how we could get the calendar and the selling season back on track. And, and Andrew, I know that you've talked obviously about the fact that, that the, the situation we are in has driven some of this. But knowing you and knowing what a leading figure you are in terms of thought leadership and, and really caring about humanity, would this have happened anyway? Or, or has this made it happen faster? What, what's, what's your view on that? No, I don't think it was inevitable that it was going to happen anyway. I think that, in fact the future that we were looking at six months ago was a future where we didn't really have any shared sense of a singular vision as an industry. I think we had a lot of different approaches. Clearly, the sort of the impact of North American retail and the fact that as a model it was broken, but the fact that it was impacting globally, particularly when it came to discount, was something that, you know, I think a lot of a lot of us felt was going to be difficult to tackle. But I think ironically, what's happened through isolation is the fact that people have become much more accessible. And Zoom and Teams and, and all the various different platforms, there's been an immediacy that the industry has really responded to and an accessibility, I think, that people have put themselves out there and made themselves available to have these discussions. And I think that whereas previously, you know, it would have taken you months to get an appointment and then you'd have had to go through the PR people and you could only talk about certain things. Because people are literally sitting around their kitchen tables, there is the ability to be a lot more direct and to kind of cut through a lot of that other noise. And that's helped, I think, us as an industry get together. I think it's also helped in terms of having all the diversity of the different voices and the different kind of creative ideas coming together. And I think that, in a way, uh, digital platforms have given us a sense of cohesion and a, a sense of connectivity that doesn't that didn't happen previous to this. And I also think, as well, that clearly, you know, the the impact of COVID and and the way that we're starting to see 
human sentiment changing also, I think, has galvanized a lot of these conversations. So, you know, there are natural discussions about consumption and about, you know, humanity and about resourcing um, and about how as an industry, you know, a lot of these things that have been, you know, sideline discussions are actually now at the heart of consumer sentiment. And I think that customers, as we come through this, are going to be questioning brands, retailers, distributors in different ways in terms of how they how they consume. And so I think all of these things have come together at a time when people have become more accessible. Yeah, and I think that point around accessibility, but also where people are putting their focus is key. But but we mustn't underestimate, of course, the fact that you you have galvanized, you have used this as a catalyst. And, and, you know, amongst all of the trauma, my biggest hope with our current situation is that this is a catalyst for for decisions to be made and new paths to be entered, which are all much more about responsibility and humanity. And so what you have started, I think, is is phenomenal to come through and to come out of the 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 troubles the and and, and the very difficult time that, that obviously you've gone through already in in Asia and that others around the world are going through too. But but the other thing I'm intrigued to know, Andrew, is what's the impact been on your people? Because obviously we've we've worked with you on the whole element of bringing people with you on the transformation journey within the company. What news? What 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 do they feel about this this new is about how now you're changing uh, things and, and moving the, the industry a gear? Well, first of all, I think that there's an organizational-wide um, support. And I think that people feel, you know, a certain sense of pride about the fact that they're, they're part of this and that this is, this is a movement and they can see that we're spearheading it. Um, and that to a certain extent, we've pulled together a lot of our brand partners and a lot of, of um other retailers across the industry together on this one. And so the fact that we can that we're showing leadership at a time like this, I think is something that's in, is inspiring for them. Um, and I think it's giving them a sense of hope for the future and that the future is something that we have a hand in shaping and that we're building towards a future which we see as being more sustainable and being more humanitarian and one where we can impact in a positive way. Um, and so I think that for, for the teams, it's it's very empowering that they are, that they're part of this journey and that they can, that they can, you know, contribute to being able to to help this help this happen as well. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, part of what you stand for as an organisation is very much being responsible, but also, you know, having the human at the heart. So, tell us about the culture journey that we've been on over the last few years, and and why you believe culture is such an important part of your success, and indeed will continue to be in in taking this next chapter forward. Well, I, I believe that fundamentally we're a, we're a business that's about human relationships and it's about how do we inspire one another to be the best versions of ourselves. You know, we're a, we're a creative industry at heart. We're an industry which is about building and creating dreams. And I think we're an industry that is very much about the power of storytelling and how people can be ignited through through the process of what we do. And so clearly, it's important for us that we have a culture which enables people to do that um, and that recognizes when people are really shining brightly, um, when people are you know, contributing to their maximum. And so clearly, over the past 
three three years since we started this culture journey, it was very important for us to have the values of being the foundation of what we build the business off, and that those values show up in everything that we do, and that we recognize where people are demonstrating those values. Um, and I think that the journey that we've been on has been one that's been incredibly rewarding for, for, for the organization and for the individuals because you know, we've seen how transformational it can be in terms of the coming together of teams, the shared sense of achievement, and the fact that we're really recognizing where people are, are doing remarkable things. And it's you know, had a very significant impact in the, in the business. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting because you know, it, it has been a real journey, hasn't it, where, where we've touched every single element of the organisation in so many ways so that they can shine brightly. And I'm smiling for two reasons as I'm listening to you. The first is because I can hear the little... Um, banging in the background, which which our listeners may be able to hear, which is is a very familiar sound to me, having been with you in the office for for many years. But but it is in fact the the shooting from the police range nearby. Um, so it makes me feel very warm that that I feel closer to all of you you there. And and the second reason I'm smiling is because this morning. When I opened my computer, the first thing that appeared was a photograph from two years ago uh, from when we ran our Bank of Me program in Beijing. And we had mm. a lot of the leaders on the rowing lake, the Olympic rowing lake in Beijing as part of that program. And just looking at the joy on their faces as as we ran that program, which, of course, is one of the elements of the culture change. But But tell me what, if you were th- thinking about advice to people starting out on a culture change journey or wanting to perhaps right now really pay attention to how do you engage people in a, in a new direction because of where we're at. What three or four pieces of advice would you give them? I would say that, first of all, it, it's really important to take people with you on the journey. And by that, what I mean is that for us, it was important that we co-created the values that everybody felt that those values were something that was authentic and over an overused word, but it really was. It's really in this case true that the values were something that felt very relevant and personal to us as a business. Secondly, um, I think that being able to make sure the entire organisation is involved and that the communication is clear and that you that you explain to everyone that this is a journey um, and that the journey will take time. I think also the third thing would be to make sure that you're checking in all the time with the progress that you're making versus the the shared visions that you've set. Um, and then fourthly, I think one of the things that we found really effective was to be able to find different pockets of the of the population um, who would be able to amplify the messaging and the values. Um, and so initiatives like the team talks and the LED groups that we've set up internally have been really helpful to be able to ensure that this didn't feel like a top down, but was really very much a grassroots led kind of values development. Yeah. And that LED group are, are our sort of change champions, aren't they, who who will go out there and role model and have had the right development to help them role model. Because I think one of the big things that sets you apart from others that have embarked on a culture change journey is that where you have paid a huge amount of attention is in the embedding of behaviors of of values of new ways of working 
and really mm. changing belief because it's so easy, isn't it, with, with these things just to launch them. And it's all great stories and great words. But then it fizzles out because the attention isn't paid. The leaders don't change their everyday behavior to match the culture that is being talked about. And where I think you've really, really worked hard and it's paid off is by putting a lot of effort, a lot of intention into the embedding phase of this change. So, Andrew, I, yeah. would, I would love to talk more and we will continue to talk, but we might just round this off with, with a few last comments from you. And then we will return for part two around the COVID lessons for you as a, as a leader and an organization. But before we, before we do finish, just, just tell me if you were to do one thing differently in the, the journey you've had in terms of culture and leadership and embedding, what would it be? Hmm. It's an interesting question. I mean, I think it's to your point. It's been an it's been a very exciting journey, um, and it's taken us through lots of different places. I think, with the benefit of hindsight, one of the things that maybe I was a little bit slow to act on, but which I should have acted on earlier, was where there was leadership that was not demonstrating the values that we subsequently acted upon, we should have acted on that more quickly. Because I think that the organization looks to leadership to demonstrate the values. And there was the ability to do something there. There was the ability to move more quickly there. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because so often it's easy to talk about values, but actually when you need to really move things forward in terms of a culture yeah. it, it does require every level but particularly leaders that first sort of first first and second layer to be able to shift and role model and and if they're not doing that then all of the words almost land um with with no no impact at all because it's not backed up by by real decisions yeah i think that i think that was the with the benefit of hindsight that, that would be something that I would have acted on more quickly. I think the other thing as well, actually, was the fact that, you know, when we went out with values, we also, to try and help people understand how to how the values could land, we also gave them some some behavioral hints as well. And And I think that what we then learned in retrospect was the fact that, you know, people demonstrate values in lots of different ways. And the way that people behave needs to be authentic to themselves. And what we had for a period of time was people calling each other out on behavior, but it wasn't necessarily aligned to them as, as, pers as individuals. And so people became very specific about, a behavior, about sets of behaviors that they saw aligned to values. And I think that possibly we didn't need to be quite so directive about those behaviors yeah allow people to to interpret them in the right way but with some level of consistency though and I think that's where you've got to now is that as you continue your journey you're getting to a level of consistency even though the way it shows up needs to be authentic yeah Andrew thank you so much as I say we could talk for for many hours about the journey through launching through embedding through sustaining change and I'm sure we will we will do that again as the journey continues but for now I'm going to press pause and we will return to hear about your COVID journey in part two so thank you so much for joining us pleasure 
thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.